Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. And we often feel that we are more really overpowered than in power. We often feel that we really don't have much of a choice, but we do. We have a choice of paths that changes everything, the direction of, of all of life. And, and today I need to kind of review as we, we talk about this series of turning points because your life today can take a significant change for the better. Um, all the, uh, the, the past that is behind you uh, does not hold you back. The future that is ahead of you can be very, very different if today you'll make a choice. If today you'll leave one path and begin another, we do have a choice. But I need to kind of lay the foundation of our turning points because this is the, the rock upon which everything else is built. The turning point that, that begins everything is that when life goes bad, we go to good. Right? Now let, let's talk about that. If it's, if it's raining here, and, and right over there is an awning and it's dry. And I am wet in the rain. I am wet in the rain because why? Because I'm in the rain. And, and if I choose to move under the awning where it's dry, I'm no longer in the rain. In the same way, when we are in a bad place and... We're all going to have bad happen to us. Bad, we're all going to, you know, it's just going to be that way. Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. So anybody who preaches you a gospel that if you follow Jesus, um, everything will be hunky-dory, um, they're selling you something. But if I am in a bad place, it's because I've chosen to stay in a bad place. When bad happens, we go to good. We don't just go to uh, our own version of good. And that, that's what sin seeks to take us, um, you know. So there's something instinctual deep inside of us that when bad happens, of course we go to good. The world would have us identify the good as something that makes us feel better. So could be pornography, could be, um, you know, that affair, could be uh, buying stuff, could be food for comfort. No, the only place that we can go that is really eternally good is the good of God. And in the good of God, um, we, we just have to soak. It, it's a relationship. There's, there's not a, a program. You, there's no quick fix thing here. Um, you can't love in a hurry. And, and you can't you know, run into to the presence of God and then run out and everything. No, you've got to go to the good of God and, and you've just got to sit and you've just got to soak. And the more we learn to, learn to manage our turning points in life, and, and when bad comes our way, we go to good, we go to good, we go to the good of God, then the more our future, future opens up to the glory of an infinite God. And so that's why I say, you know, uh, no matter your education, your wealth, your income, your status, your rank in life, that if you will learn to manage your, your turning points 
your life can open up in an, an infinite way to the glory of God and the glory of God can shine through you so that when you stand before God, regardless of your circumstances, you can hear the Father say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Guys, it's impossible to be cold on the surface of the sun and in the same way, it's, it's impossible to live in hell while living in the presence of God. Winston Churchill famously said during World War II, if you are in hell, keep going. Don't stop. You know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Psalm 23 says. And so this is so basic, but it is so transformational. This is so simple, and yet it is, it is so missed by most of us. If we will simply go to the good of God and soak in the presence, everything will change. And this is the teaching of, of Jesus' whole life. He said in John 15, for instance, remain in me and I will remain in you. Um, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Four times Jesus uses the word remain. Stay, sit, soak, be. And, and, and to be connected in, in this way is the heart of what it means to have relationship with God. We're not here to give you a Christian program. We're not here to give you Christian steps or principles. We're here to give you Christ, a person. And this person is, is not someone that you can master. Um, he's not someone that you can, you know, manipulate. He is the master and he invites you just simply to be in his presence and in his presence to know the fullness of joy. As the Father has loved me, Jesus said, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. Learn to live in my love through all of life. If there's a beginning point in your life where my love has ignited something, then stay in it, stay with it, don't quit, don't walk away. When bad happens, it's not evidence of, of my lack of love for you, it's, it's, your, it's evidence of, of your passing through the whirlwind of the world. Keep going, because I've overcome the world. So this is the foundational turning point of everything and, and I just want to challenge you, don't live defeated in the distance from God. And that's why we're talking about the 15-day challenge of, of every single day uh, opening up your Bible and spending 15 meaningful minutes reading God's Word, listening for Father's voice, and then 15 minutes in vulnerable prayer, honest, authentic, raw Whatever is real, at least. These are just kind of the minimums of, of beginning to, to kind of soak. You see, guys, uh, that, that foundation leads us kind of to, to turning point two after life goes bad. I don't know if any of you all have ever been in, in a car accident um, or a motorcycle accident, but I, I tell you, in, in the few seconds after, there's just this, this shock. First of all, did that really happen? And then there's this beginning uh, of assessment, you know, am, am I okay? Are the people around me okay? And then even as you move farther from the accident, if there was injuries, it's, it's a matter of dealing with the injury uh, emotionally uh, and the energy of that event and then physically of, of the healing of that event. And what we do in Turning Point 2 is the key to everything. What do we do after bad happens in life? We're going to talk about that, but I want you to know, to not bury the lead today, I want you to know that, 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 that the call of God is to live brokenhearted in grace, being a blessing to everyone you can for the glory of God. That's what God wants us to do 
um, when bad happens in our lives. And, and when bad happens, you know, the question is, especially the emotional bad, someone uses you, someone cheats on you, um, someone abandons you, uh, someone lies to you that you had really trusted, someone lets you down. And when the human heart uh, takes this kind of impact in the depths of its soul, um, there, there's a real choice to be made. How many of you all have ever stubbed your toe? Now, besides saying Baptist cuss words, what do we do? You know, what's the classic thing we do when we, when we stub our toe? Yell. Yell, grab our toe, and then maybe, you know, or, or I cry, I'm with you, Lenny. If you've ever smashed your finger, you know, with a hammer, the first thing you do is grab it. You know, for some reason we stick it in our mouths. I don't know why, you know. But your whole world in pain begins to shrink from the awareness of what's going on around you to, to your injury. And you're not thinking about anything else in life. Whatever you were thinking about in your life is just completely like shot a million miles away and, and literally when trauma happens uh, emotionally to us, there is this pulling inward. Even the body physiologically will draw the blood in towards the deeper organs um, for, for preservation. So, so it's true at, at a physiological level. It's true at an emotional level. It's true at, at, a, at a spiritual level. The natural response to the trauma is, is to turn inward and to focus on self. But after our lives goes bad, after you've been abused, after you've been lied to, after people have said all manner of, of evil falsely against you, um, after your friend betrays, after, after you hear the gossip, after, you know, af after you're let down for just like the last time with this person, what do you do? Which way do we turn? How will we treat others? Will we turn inward or, or outward? Will we live shattered um, and shattering other people's lives with, in, in the bitter anger of our own pain? Or will we live brokenhearted in grace, seeking to bless others and, and build up? You see, we do have a choice. And I want to say again that what we do with our pain, I believe, pretty much determines everything in our lives and in our legacies in the lives of everyone connected to us. I've met some pretty bitter small people in my life. And the saddest bitter small people are our elderly bitter small people. I say that because to have lived 60 to 70 years bitter and small is just such an incredible waste. One man I knew uh, was self-centered all of his life um, grew up, married, had multiple affairs, ignored his kids throughout all of his life, um, never demonstrated any compassion for anybody else. It was always all about him, me, 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 me. And you know, when you're that way, nobody wants to be around you because all you're into is using them. Then this person grows older and of course, they've used all they can and, and the lie of sexuality as, you know, as the, the key to fulfillment begins to kind of drop off somewhere between 45 and 145. And you realize, oh, wait a minute, this wasn't my God substitute that's going to work after all. And, and then you find yourself very much alone and, and bitter and raging at all the people around you who aren't doing stuff for you, you, you. It's 
it's sad, it's pathetic, it's, it's a waste. One woman I knew um, lived her whole life angry and bitter and hating her sister. I mean, literally hating her sister. This woman is probably 75 or so. And do you know why she hated her sister? Because she was born. Because before her sister was born, she was the apple of her father's eye. And her daddy would pay attention to her and hold her and wrap his arms around her. And after his sister was born, she was second best. And at that turning point in her life, she turned lightless, bitter, raging, and angry. Passive-aggressive for the rest of her life, hating her sister, all because at a turning point in her life, she chose the lightless road. Guys, we don't have to do that. Simple truth is that there is so much undone, so much good undone in the world because so many of us in our woundedness and our trauma have turned inward instead of upward. There is so much blessing ungiven in families that are here and in workplaces and in the world around us. There is so, so much power that has not been unleashed because you and I are all wrapped up in our own pain. That at the fork in the road, we turned self-centered instead of letting our hearts be broken in the pain and grace pour in and then grace pour out. That's the turning point. The, there's a new series on um, NBC. It's called This Is Us. It's only a couple of episodes in. You can still catch up. Um, and uh, one of the characters in the show revolves around a husband and wife who are pregnant with triplets. And, and in the hospital, Rebecca goes into labor and on this most joyous, perfect of days, um, we find out that two of the babies are born healthy, but the third is, is born stillborn. stillborn. After delivering the news, uh, the doctor uh, simply sits down with a new father, Jack, and, and paints an amazing picture of the choice that you can make at this point, the turning point that you make at the point of pain and the point of trauma and the direction of of life. We often think about Jesus in such wooden ways. I was reading the other, uh, well, yesterday, I guess, in, um, in the book of Ezra, and it talked about the people gathering, and it mentioned that they were standing in the rain. And a few verses later, the rain is mentioned again. And, and the truth is that with people in the Bible, we have such a flat, wooden, lifeless view of them. We never think about them standing in the rain, but they are us, and we are them, and life is life throughout all ages. And we think of Jesus in such flat ways as though Jesus, you know, uh, was just this kind of, you know, magical character. Jesus was a human being. He bled, he loved, he laughed, he cried, he felt, he hurt. In fact, the whole miracle of grace is that Jesus was us. He just handled his turning points differently. And in Matthew 13, uh, 14 rather, verses 13 through 18, in the story that we call the feeding of the 5,000, I want to I take this story and like a diamond, I want to look at it, a slightly different facet of it. 
And there is the miracle, of course, of Jesus multiplying two fish and five loaves. That, that is what we're going to talk about, but I want to go behind the scenes, behind the curtains for just a little bit. The scripture says when Jesus heard what had happened and the bad that we talked about last week happening in Jesus' life was the murder of his, his closest ally in, in the kingdom of God on earth, John the Baptist, in a mocking way as a party favor. John's beheaded and, and bad rolls over Jesus' life as, as Satan basically sends a shot across his bow and says, this is what I will do to the good of God on earth. I will kill it. And Jesus, watch what happens to you. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. And guess what he did? He prayed. He soaked in the presence of God. He meditated upon the word of God. He he took all of the struggle of his soul into the presence of Father. And he stayed. And the cool thing about the scripture is here is it really underplays, um, you know, it never gives the time that Jesus does this. Often it'll say that he does it, you know, through the night. Or it, but it's just kind of like this, this aside and, and where this is, this is Jesus just doing it, not selling it. And when he withdrew to a boat, uh, by boat privately to a solitary place, hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. We live our lives in community. We are individuals, but today I want to talk to you about the, the community aspect of your life, the, the social impact, the, the impact that you have on other people. So too often in the gospel, we just talk individually about us. I want to talk about you, but I want to talk about you in relationship to your, your life's impact on others, beginning with your family. The crowds followed him uh, on foot and And when Jesus landed and saw large crowds, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. We're going to come back to that. As evening approached, so so Jesus, after a sleepless night, all day long has been giving and touching and and being with people. He's, He's... he's ministered to, he's listened to stories, he's, he's offered people um, a turning point all throughout the day. And the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. So send the crowds away so they can go to the village and buy themselves some food. And Jesus replied, they don't need to go away, you give them something to eat. We can't, basically, they said. We have only here two fish and five loaves. Bring them to me, Jesus said. Bring them to me. You know the rest of the story. Jesus uh, took the loaves and broke them and and lifted them up and he thanked God for them. He thanked God for the inadequacy. He thanked God for the small. He thanked God for the not enough in this world and and lifted it into the presence of God and and in doing so declared that, that, you know, um, all is never small in the hands of God. And then he broke it and he had people sit down. There were 5,000 men, approximately three children at least for, for each of these families. Um, so that's 15,000 uh, plus 5,000 is 20,000 plus the women. There's at least another thousand there, maybe more. So probably 21 to 26,000 people. And Jesus fed them all from lunch. So this event that we call the feeding of the 5,000 was really Jesus seeking Father in pain and then choosing to bless. 
It was the, 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 the reality of, of something we don't think about about Jesus because we don't think about Jesus as a human being. We think about Jesus, again, as this magical figure that we can't relate to. But the story, really, of the feeding of the 5,000 is the story of, really, three turning points during that day. Number one is Jesus taking the pain of John's murder into the presence of God. And that's what he does in verse 13 and in verse 23, where we see Jesus even after this day. It's the rhythm of his life. It's not a one-time special event. Even after this day, the scripture says um, that immediately after Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him while he dismissed the crowd. And after he dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Soaking in the presence of God. Continually, as a rhythm and course of life, making the turn not to stay in bad, not to soak in bad, not to be overcome by bad, not to let bad be the, you know, the, 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 the popcorn thoughts in his head all through the day. No, he takes the bad to the good of God and life is resized. This is the pain uh, path that, that most of us don't take. I am uh, gifted in the, the unspiritual gift of self-pity. Um, anybody else have that unspiritual gift? And, uh, you know, self-pity is, is, is easily generated from, from the pain and energy of a wound. And, um, and it's something that completely distorts life. You know, we look at other people's, we judge other people's insides by how they appear outside but the truth is, everybody here is broken, and everybody's here's life is messed up. People will come into my office, and, and they're just like so embarrassed and so ashamed, and they'll, they'll tell me their issues. And, and I got to say, it's, I'm not surprised. Like, I know you're broken before you ever come in. The question is how? You know? I mean, we're all broken. So... I already know you're broken. The question is how? And then the question is, where do you turn with your pain? What are you doing with your brokenness? And, and what does that do to your life and to your life in community and connection with other people? The second turning point that is so key here that we pass by is Jesus choosing to live others-focused in a broken-hearted grace instead of living self-centered in the, in the anger of his pain. This is what Jesus did on the cross and it's so remarkable Jesus had been humiliated by, by the crowds, mocked by some of the same people who, when things were going good, you know, it's like being a football coach. It's like that as a pastor, too. Sometimes, you know, everybody loves you when you're winning. But when the score's on the other side, it's amazing how quickly people will turn, you know? And so there's Jesus, you know, uh, on the back of a donkey with people saying, Hosanna. And then, and then just around the corner, they're spitting on him as he's carrying a cross after having been beaten nearly to death. And then Jesus is nailed brutally to the cross as people mock him 
They mock his divinity. They mock the message of his life. They mock the whole meaning of his life. And Jesus is raised up and dropped painfully into the, uh, you know, the, the, the hole in the ground, holding the cross. And, and he is in worse agony than any human being has ever endured because not only did Jesus have the, to suffer the most painful death ever devised, he also was beginning to bear the sins of all the entire world, all the darkness of hell and the hatred of God, all the the sadness and depression and brokenness and addiction and and rape and murder and and child abuse, everything began to to be heaped on Jesus' shoulders. And he looks down at the people who had been responsible for doing this to him and he blesses. And he looks at them and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Guys, I'm telling you, there are so many of us here today who are living small and broken and angry and raging lives. Now, I'm not raging. Yeah, you are. You've just learned how to make it acceptable. You've just learned how to dress up your rage um, in a way that, that you've made, you know, function for you in a broken world. You may call it power. You may call it authority. You may call it rank. But it's just you being godless, you being wounded, you being unhappy and miserable. It's the drive of this energy that just won't be healed in you. And guys, I'm telling you, we have to, 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 to understand we have a different choice. We can live brokenhearted. We can live brokenhearted in a grace that, that in, 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 you know, wraps up our wounds and and. And we can turn and live a life of blessing. I remember in my own life when Jesus Christ came to me uh, having a very real choice to make. I mean, I'm, I'm living as literally, I'm this, this unnoticed kid everywhere. You know, I, I really feel like for, for a season there, I could have, probably could have dropped off the face of the planet. I'm not sure that anybody would have noticed. Maybe a few teachers would have. And then I get encountered by this Jesus who starts messing with my life and my mind and telling me stuff that, that I wanted to hear and didn't want to hear, that I needed to know but, but avoided and I was attracted to it and repelled by it at the same time. And I knew that I had a choice to, to make about the, the anger and the rage in my own life, about my father's just complete utter absence, uh, about my mom's utter absence in my life, um, about the way other people had treated. And, and I knew I had a choice to make. And I can remember when something snapped inside of me. My heart was broken by the love and the compassion of God for me, undeserved, that God would so love me that he would give his life for me, that he would know me and yet choose to to wrap his arms around me. And and I got to tell you, in in my own struggle, I remember choosing whether in anger to stiff arm Jesus and, 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 and walk away in rage or whether to fall on my knees and my face in tears and just say, Jesus, I surrender. And that fork in the road is so critical. It's, it's the difference between, between us, again, soaking in the grace of God, and then for the rest of our lives, this is how we live towards other people. In his pain, moments after, you know, just leaving the presence of God, Jesus sees all these people in their brokenness, and he had compassion on them. His heart was filled with grace. And because of that turning point in his life, thousands of lives were changed. 
Guys, I'm telling you, that's what God wants for, for, for all of us here. But so many of us, we are living instead of, of the Spirit of God, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God, the kindness. Instead of, of looking at other people and being used of God to build them up, to lift them up, to, to speak the healing truth of grace in their lives. So many of us are, are more like this. We are, we are dry and we are angry and we are bitter and when we are squeezed, nothing of God comes out. Guys, this is our choice. This is our turning point. This is where we make the choice to give our all to God. And even when our all we think is nothing, look what happens. The third turning point is when the disciples give their self-centered inadequacy to Jesus in order to be a blessing for the glory of God. And, and, and this, is, this is our natural response to the needs of others when we're in pain. Go away. I don't want anything to do with you. Go away. I don't want to be a part of your lives. I don't want to get involved. Jesus, send them away. We're inadequate. We don't have enough. And Jesus said, what do you have? Give it to me and give it to them. And guys... In the unseen choice to turn to Jesus, the consuming energy and focus of our lives becomes seeing others with a hopeful compassion instead of seeing ourselves in in hopeless self-pity. That's a turning point. And so many of you are seeing yourselves wrong uh, under God's love. And because you're seeing yourself wrong, you're you're never going to see anybody else right. So many of you in families are passing on the brokenness of generations because you will not let the grace of God just love you and wrap you up in compassion and let the energy of your woundedness be be consumed by by the love and the energy of God. I'm just telling you, there are so many families here that could experience generational change if in this turning point you would let God break your heart wide open with love that the grace of Father would grip your lives and just, just there'd be this turning away to have empathy towards others, compassion, kindness, valuing others, you know, looking after their interests in Jesus and, and saying, Jesus, what do you want to do in this person's life and how can I be a part of that? Jesus, you in your grace have committed to look after my interests. I'm taken care of. I don't have to worry about protecting me. I don't have to worry about looking after me. That's your job, God, and you're very good. And God, even if I get nailed to a cross, you're still looking after my interests because you are good and what you do is is good, O Lord. Guys, I'm telling you, the energy of bad when life goes wrong is powerful, it's consuming, and it is progressive. It just continues to consume like a black hole. But so is the energy of of hope when we go to God and go to good. In our turning point decisions, we decide whether heaven or hell wins in our lives. The truth is, when Jesus rose from the grave, heaven won. It's done. It's over. But in your life and in my life, in your family, in my family, the battle is still in play. And you choose whether you're going to let hell win. Or whether, whether heaven gets to win. Guys, I'm telling you right now, you are at a fork in the road of what you do with your pain and your anger, your woundedness, and the energy of all of it. That energy is going to consume the rest of your life unless you give it to Jesus.
And as you hand up your brokenness to God and all of your inadequacy and all that you can't, Jesus will wrap you up in grace and send you out into your family and into your world and and he will send you out on a mission and and you will be a blessing to everybody you can. Thoughtful, uh, other-centered, Christ-filled, spirit-led and and you're little. All that you think you aren't, it becomes infinitely big in the hands of Father God and and to feed 21,000 people with a lunch is the work of God and what God did in that, God will do in the giving of your inadequacy and your little to Him. I believe with all my heart we can change the world. The question is, will we? And it all comes down to what you will do in this moment, in this turning point moment, with your pain. Let your heart be broken. Let the Lord God, soak your life in his love and then you live the rest of your life consciously, intentionally choosing to be squeezed by life and poured out for the glory of God the Father. I want to challenge you to take the 15-day challenge seriously, to soak in Father's presence his goodness, his love, his mercy, his light, his compassion, his hope for the future, his, his redeeming good that can take anything bad and turn it on its head for life. God is awesome. And to read his word and replace the narrative of your own life, which is broken and filled with the lies of hell, replace that narrative with the narrative of God and of good of hope so that's it it's your choice of what you'll do with the turning point this moment Father God I ask in the name of Jesus that all over this building that decisions would be made that would change not only individual lives but families and communities and generations. Lord God, break open the heart of your people this morning that you might live uh, through them in an open-hearted way, that you might pour out your love in grace, that each one of us would live our life not on a self-pity grief uh, course, but God living the rest of our life, pouring ourselves out, blessing everyone we can for life. Father, Help us make that choice today. In Jesus, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.